you wish you could hear God's voice? Are you struggling to find stillness in the busyness of mom life? Is being present daily and sometimes moment by moment a battle for you? Welcome home, sister. This is Unabridged Faith. Aloha, my name is Paige Amber Bacani. I am a lover of Jesus, wife, mama, and mentor. After living by my own strength for years, I finally gave up and took a chance on Him. The simplest way to describe what the Lord has done in my life is that I was one way and now I am completely different. I want that for you. My mission is to journey alongside you as we openly grow in our faith by being present with God's Word, practicing prayer, pursuing fellowship, and sharing powerful testimonies. If you want to learn how to invite God's peace into your heart, motherhood, and mind, I know this podcast will speak to you. Slip on your shoes, strap on your little ones, and let's go for a walk. We have a date with the Lord. All my love, your sister, Paige. Aloha and good morning, mamas. All right, part four of my story. I am up real early this morning so that my husband can get off to a golf tournament, which I'm very excited. They had an open spot for him, so he loves it, and I love him doing things that he loves. So you are going to get the most raw version of me because mornings are my jam. I love mornings. And we're going to begin with a prayer so that I don't just go off on my own tangent because, yeah, I think I can be in my own strength in the morning sometimes, and then about noon hits me and I'm thinking, okay, it's time for a nap. Father God, thank you so much for just pouring so much of my story that I knew was there, but verbalizing it is a whole other realm for me. And it can be exhausting. It can be overwhelming. It can be really scary to share this much intimacy of what I've walked through in my life with these other women but I'm doing it for your glory. I'm doing it because I truly believe in the path that you have set before me to walk. And rather it's for one woman or thousands of women, I'm here for it. And I'm just here to love on them, encourage them, show them that there is another way and that we can have peace in the chaos of this world. So Holy Spirit, as you have been so faithful to do day after day, as I open my mouth, Please put your words into me and the mic is yours. You can take over. We can make this as long or as short as you lead me to. Up till now, we have four parts. Maybe there will be more, but maybe we'll end it here. I love you. I thank you. And I praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Oh, so many details have been left out, but I'm so excited for our journey to continue revealing them to you guys. So after our potluck wedding at Lapa Hoi Hoi Beach Park, so beautiful, such a wonderful day of peace and clarity it felt for me and joy. Unfortunately, towards the end, all of that felt like it got swept away again and I was back to my numb darkness. But the Lord is faithful and we went to Panama. We were there for three months Uh, for our disciple training program. We lived on the tiny island, like I mentioned, Bocas del Toros, the middle of a jungle. It was hot, lots of bugs, but such a beautiful place, right on the water. While we were there, we got pregnant with our first baby, 
I thought I was either dying or I had worms or the depression was manifesting physically in a way that I had never felt in my body before. But I was pretty for sure I had worms. So luckily, two of our school leaders were nurses. So I asked them for deworming and they had all of the supplies because we helped medical around the rest of that island. And they said they couldn't give it to me until I took a pregnancy test first. And I just kept thinking, oh, I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. But intuitively, I think maybe I had a feeling that I was, but I wasn't ready to look at it. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure if there is some fear there. I haven't fully processed that for whatever reason. I had kind of been reluctant to take it and we took it immediately. It came up positive and Evan and I just looked at each other and the way that the building was set up, the bathroom was kind of like in the room that we were in and one of our school leaders came out of the bathroom and we told him we're pregnant and I don't even think he knew what to do. He just looked at us. I think he told us like, good job or something, I don't know. And he walked out and then we walk out the other door everyone's waiting with anticipation and we tell them we're pregnant everyone is just hooping and hollering and running around and singing and giving us hugs and just so overjoyed and later on that night when the boys got home I think they were in town they found out too and one of the students in particular came down to our room and he was crying and yelling and jumping and it was amazing this baby was brought so much joy. It was truly almost our mascot throughout our training and just brought so much joy, so much love, so much hope for new life. And how amazing it was that this baby was growing inside of me during this time. Because I truly do believe that the babies can feel our energy. They can hear our voices. They can hear the music. They can hear the speakers. And so this child was just hearing Bible all day, every day, and praising God in such peace, even though I was still experiencing this overwhelm and this darkness, it was, there were moments where it would break. I would break free and then it would come back. I'd break free and it would come back. And it was a battle. It was a true battle. I'm going to trigger warning first, but also I am going to keep some of the details for a later time because I do feel this is a discussion that the Holy Spirit will lead me to in the right time to share this story with you guys. But for now, I'm going to give a brief overview of what I experienced. The day we were meant to travel to the Bahamas for our outreach for two months, it was Abaco Bahamas. They had just had an awful, awful hurricane. And I cannot even remember how many boats and buses and cars we had to take to get to Panama City, but there were quite a few. That morning, we woke up super early and we were packing all of our things together. And I started experiencing a little bit of bleeding, but I knew that that was normal during pregnancy. So I didn't freak out about it. I just kept telling myself, oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I messaged my school leader because she's a nurse and just let her know what was going on and then we got on our buses we got or we got on our boats and then we got on our buses and I shared with one of the students too because the bleeding wasn't stopping and I was starting to get a little bit of cramping but I feel I have a very high pain tolerance because I also have a very high avoidance tolerance especially at this time in my life just thinking oh no it's fine everything's fine it's going to be okay I can handle it I just have to get through this 
And so she prayed over me and we go to sleep. We get to where we're trying to get in Panama City. We sleep, we wake up very early again to get on our flight to go to the Bahamas, but we were rejected because not all of our team had the yellow fever vaccination or vaccine. So we were kind of at a loss. We were disheartened, super disheartened. We had, we had so much buildup, so much prepared. We were so ready to get on this plane and go forth into the next adventure together. But praise God, that was not the plan. We went to a missionary base in Panama City called Casa Paresa, and it was our safe haven. Our group needed this more than any of us could ever have imagined. Almost immediately when we got there, my body went into override and all of the symptoms that I had been experiencing heightened to a point where I could not deny them anymore. I had to call my school leaders and let them know what was happening and just tears, so many tears, so much like, <gasps> I can't even say it just it took my breath away. It took their breath away. I just kept thinking, this is not happening. This is not happening. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And it was so hard to share what was happening because I felt the longer I didn't share what was going on with my body, the longer I could pretend that everything was fine. So that, that FaceTime moment with my school leader, the nurse telling her what's happening was so hard it was so hard for her to even tell me what my next steps were. She was just crying and apologizing and saying that she understood if we didn't want to finish the mission, if we felt we needed to go home at this time. But from what I'm experiencing, we were losing our baby and we needed to find a place quickly that could help the process of this. So what a journey. I don't know if any of you guys have had any type of medical anything, especially a medical emergency in a third world country, but let me tell you, it's not easy. Remember, also, I had not taken a foreign language since high school, and then I did do an immersion school, but still, I'm not sure how much you can learn in that time. I learned as much as I could, but my Spanish was still very broken. So I'm speaking very broken Spanish and all of the medical people are speaking very broken English. And this is a whole story. I think I'm gonna share a little bit more than I thought I was going to, but just bear with me here. We get into an Uber. They have those in Panama, in Panama City at least. And they took us to a really nice clinic and we go in, we're talking with them. They're trying to set up an appointment for me for a later time and I'm telling them it's happening right now. I kind of need to see someone in this moment. They're throwing prices at us that are just outrageous what it's going to cost. And I mean, Evan and I are newly married and neither one of our parents know anything about this at the time. We're just going, everything is happening so quickly. And here's where I feel the Holy Spirit took over. They had mentioned to go upstairs. This whole building was a medical building. I've never seen anything like it, but they told us to go upstairs and look for a specific doctor. We went upstairs, we were looking for a specific doctor. We couldn't find him. 
every door just had a different name and different saying on it and we were led into this one door and I just remember going in there not I had no idea what to say I had no idea what to do no one was taking what was happening it didn't feel that anyone was taking what was happening to me seriously and I was terrified and I was telling the lady in broken Spanish pretty much that I had a baby in me and it's bleeding and I don't think it's any good that's all I knew how to say in Spanish. And she looked at me, she understood what I was saying. She told me to wait. She went back and got her doctor. Her doctor allowed me to come back. Praise God, no appointment, no anything. They just saw a woman in need and they helped me. And they, she allowed my husband, Evan, to come back as well. And she told me to get undressed and they were gonna do an ultrasound. And Evan and I were in that room right before the ultrasound. And I remember we prayed. And as Evan was praying over me, I didn't even have the strength to pray. I was just there and Evan was praying over me. And I remember it wasn't words. It was almost more of a vision. And I'm reluctant to say feeling, but that's how I can best explain it. Of him reassuring me, I already have her in my arms. Like she's already with me. And so I knew in that moment, I didn't even need to get the ultrasound because I knew God had told me that our little girl was in his arms but we went for, forth with it anyways and she had told us what the Lord had already told us that our baby for whatever reason had stopped growing and that that happens sometimes it's nothing to worry about it happens to everybody which wasn't super reassuring in that moment I, I honestly don't think she could have said anything that would have been good to hear in that moment but she said that our next baby should be fine it's just something that happens. So we're broken. We were already crying from when the Lord had told us that he had our little girl in his arms. And then hearing her say this was just even more, wow, this is happening. And we walked out. Two of our team members were with us. So we walked out and told them the news. And she said that I needed to go get a DNC as soon as possible because the baby had grown so much there was so much tissue in there that my body wasn't going to be able to pass it on its own which was very clear from how much i was already bleeding and my body was not doing well at this point so as we were walking out of that clinic i remember feeling very numb i was already shutting down i think that was the only way that i could cope with what was happening so we got back into a car and we went to a different medical facility and it was terrifying. We are so blessed to live where we live. I have done a lot of traveling and I do think some other countries do a lot of things much better than we do. But when it comes to things, surgeries necessary surgeries I am so grateful for the medical care that we have in this country we show up to this ginormous building and honestly I'm going to be blunt it looked as if it was a homeless shelter there were so many sick and disabled people just all over from the entrance of the building just from the wall of the building all the way out to the street I'm not sure what was going on. I don't know if they wait and eventually they let them in or I really don't know, but it was chaos. We get inside. 
people are very unkind. I'm not sure if it's because I was white, I was in a foreign country, and it was very obvious I didn't necessarily belong there, necessarily belong there, or, you know, life is hard there. So maybe they were just having a hard day. Maybe that's just the culture. Maybe that's how they address each other. But as a woman who's losing my baby, I have no... I don't even know the word for you guys. Filter isn't the right word. My capacity, maybe that's a better word, was gone. My capacity for anything was just non-existent anymore. And everything just felt like it broke me more and more and more. So they end up, after a lot of waiting, they let me go back. This is the part I'm struggling with. Um, They had me go back. They took the ultrasound again, and again, they're speaking very broken English. I'm speaking very broken Spanish, and they didn't let Evan go back, and I've never felt so alone in my entire life, ever. But in that moment, I've also never felt so near to God in my entire life, which doesn't make sense, because you would think in a moment like this, I would want to turn my back on him. I would want to be asking him all of the whys. I would want to be so mad at him, so frustrated. But I don't think that ever happened for me. I understand that we live in a broken world and broken things happen to us broken people. And that's just the way it is. It's not God's doing. That's just the way of the world that we live in. And I'm so grateful that I have God to look to. I'm so grateful that I have God to pray to. I'm so grateful that I have God to be with moment by moment by moment and in that moment he made his presence known to me it was as if he was sitting in that room with me just saying sweet daughter we're gonna get through this sweet daughter I love you sweet daughter I'm here for you and as they were taking the ultrasound they were saying in Spanish something's wrong with the baby and in this moment it was strange too I almost had a glimmer of hope Like, the baby's still alive. Okay, no, it's fine. It's okay. Like, if something's wrong with the baby, that's okay. We still want the baby. Like, we want to keep this baby. If there's any way that we can do that, we want to. And they were just explaining to me, no, the baby isn't developing anymore. And I remember asking for the ultrasound pictures, and they wouldn't give me the ultrasound pictures, which also broke my heart coming from America. You know, our ultrasound pictures are like a trophy to us to share with other people and just to have so much joy and memory and and that would have been really my only piece of physical memory of we named her Agape Joy Bacani and that would have been my only physical memory of her but they refused to give them to me they would not hand them over to me and there was so much waiting I remember that it was so cold As I said before, people were very unkind to me. I tried to be as patient as possible, but I was back there for hours. Again, maybe this is an interview I'll do with Evan because he remembers this much better than I do because I blocked so much of it out. But at the same time, I'm losing my baby. I'm finding out that this is an abortion clinic or it's an abortion part of the building that I'm in. And this is where they do the DNC. So... There's younger girls getting abortions right like next to me. And then there's people having babies in the other room that I can hear. And then there's me. So losing my baby. And there's so much going on at one time. 
I did not know how to cope with it. I just, all I could do is pray. All I could do is talk to God. All I could do is focus on him. And any time that I would take my eyes away from him, any time that I would put my eyes on myself and my situation and what was happening, I would lose it. I could not contain myself. I couldn't hold myself together. I would just break down. And finally, after asking so many times if I could, if the process could start, if they maybe forgot about me, because that's how long I was there, you guys. They finally got me in and I just, I'll just say that I don't think that the surgery or the procedure that they did on me was done correctly, but they did it and my body healed and I just remember Evan being my knight in shining armor. He came around the corner and I have never, ever, ever been more happy to see someone in my entire life because I was just going in and out of sleep. I was so cold that I kept waking up, but I was so miserable that I kept trying to force myself to go to sleep. And I had asked for a blanket and they wouldn't give me that. And once they saw Evan back there, they started yelling at him and made him leave again. And I was begging for them to let me go and they wouldn't let me go yet. And I honestly don't remember when they finally let me go, but after almost it felt like a whole half of a day at least if not a whole day because we we came when it was light out and it had been the whole night I'm pretty sure dark and it was light out again so we went back and the same man that had been so excited when we found out that we were having our baby was sleeping on the couch waiting for us to come home And we told him the news and something changed in him at that moment. And it was so sad to see. At the same time, another one of our school members was losing his father. So we had his stepfather, actually he had already lost his dad and now his stepdad was dying. We had a group meeting downstairs in the evenings to follow and so many tears Uh, That team member that was losing his stepdad felt he needed to go home and be with his mom, which we completely agreed with. And so that's what he chose to do. And most of the team thought that Evan and I would also leave to go back home with our parents after the trauma that we had experienced. But we prayed about it and we just knew that we were meant to stay with the team. And if we had left at that point, the team would have almost just decided to call it quits there and take what we've learned and apply it to our lives. But we knew that that wasn't wasn't God's plan. So we stayed with the team and we went to the Bahamas. As I mentioned, I've never seen anything like this before. There were boats in the middle of the city and everything was destroyed. They were still finding remains when we were there. And it was, I have never, it was such culture shock. But the strangest thing is, is how quickly we adapted to it. So within a couple days, it wasn't normal, but it was almost normal. Just, oh yeah, there's a boat there. Oh, there's a ship over there. Oh, you know, it was very, very odd. But one of my favorite parts about outreach, before we knew where we were going, we were all asked to pray and just seek Holy Spirit and see what he revealed to us. And I thought without a shadow of a doubt, we were going to Haiti. I just felt Holy Spirit put that on my heart. So when I found out we were going to the Bahamas, I was a little bit confused, thinking, God, I know you said Haiti. Why 
why are we going to the Bahamas? Like, did they get it wrong? <laughs> That's how prideful I was. <laughs> and he reassured me that I did hear him once we got there. There is a huge Haitian community in Abaco, Bahamas, and their whole community had been completely wiped out and destroyed. And not only were so many of the people of the Bahamas homeless at this time, but almost the entire Haitian population was homeless. And so I was getting to work with Haitians almost all day, every day, which was such a sweet reminder of God's presence and God's ability to speak to me and God's willingness to speak to me. So again, I don't want these to go over 30 minutes and we're already almost there again. I can't believe that. I will end here with us ending our time in the Bahamas. I know I'm not giving you guys any details there, but just know that it was transformative for the rest of my life. We all flew to Louisiana, Monroe, Louisiana, after our outreach for a debrief, which I will be forever grateful for. We were back in the States. It felt I was back at home. I felt safe. I felt comforted. I felt more excited than I ever remember feeling being back home. And it was such a sweet way to integrate back into society. Again, the culture shock was definitely a factor. And after a week of debrief with the team saying our goodbyes, which was so strange because we've done life with these people for months now, almost, almost half of a year. And now we're just all going to do our own things, which was very strange. After this, Evan and I spent about a week in New Orleans. His sister had an Airbnb there. They no longer do, but they did. And again, that was such a sweet time for Evan and I to be together for the first time as newlyweds since we had been married pretty much because we went right to YWAM. And then after that, we went back to my hometown of Nebraska and that is where I will pick up the next episode. Part five, you guys, we're going strong. <laughs> okay, have a wonderful day. Mwah. sister. I am eager to connect and hear how the Lord spoke to you through today's episode, or maybe even throughout the week, because I trust that He did. I want to ask you to pause and help me with a quick favor. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, please take a moment and share how through leaving a heartfelt review on Apple Podcast. This helps other women like us find unabridged faith. Your kind words fill my heart with so much joy, and I have hope that your review also encourages others. If you are ready to go all in with your faith, please email me at unabridgedfaith@gmail.com at gmail.com so we can stay in touch. And come join our community of faith-filled women at facebook.com slash unabridgedfaith. I trust that the Lord will continue to use this podcast to draw us near to His heart. And I pray for a week full of intention and connection as we grow in unabridged faith. In Jesus' name, amen.